Big Spike Podcast, Lucky 13. It's the 13th episode. What's going on, my man? Not much, not much. Uh, it's funny enough, we're doing it on Friday the 13th, so it works out. It's true. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Friday the 13th in 2020. What could go wrong, you know? <laughs> All right. So we got a midweek one here with a uh, with a bye week, so we don't even have a game to talk about. So um, you and I exchanged some thoughts. We both had some good ones, so I think we should go that route. You had suggested that we give like a mid-season report card. And uh, my thought was that we look at the remaining schedule and kind of preview the rest of the year. Let's do some report card first. Let's let's act like we're in school. So the first thing, the reason why I thought of that is I wanted to ask you, is there anybody on the Jets, uh, whether it's the special teams, the defense, the coaching, the individual players, who gets a passing grade, who gets a good grade from you? I want to concentrate on the positives first because there's a lot more negatives to look at. Believe it or not, I don't look at a lot of the players as getting bad grades. If you want to start with a coaching staff and have me try and find something positive, that could be interesting. Player-wise, uh, I don't think anybody has been a terrible, complete bust that's really awful, just like I don't think anybody has really stood out either. I honestly can't look at anybody and say, oh my God, they really suck. Even this year, I know everybody will say that he's a terrible cornerback. You know, he's made some nice plays and it's not like the Jets have a pass rush to help out the secondary. So I don't know. I mean, do you have anybody that jumps out at you? I want to throw a couple of names at you and see what your thoughts are. So the first one I want to start off with is the only A I give on the Jets. He gets an A, well-deserved, and it's the guy that uh, shouldn't be on the Jets. It's Frank Gore. Ultimate professional, shows up, plays, can still produce, shows up, is available, from all indications, is a great presence in the locker room. The reason why I feel terrible for Frank Gore is, number one, at the twilight of his career, being a what seems to be a beloved guy in the locker room, he, does, he deserves better than being on a winless team. And the other thing is, at this point in his career, he's the guy that should be the red zone guy, the third and short guy, or if you have an injury, he can step in. This is the only A on the whole team. Until I heard your explanation, I probably would have gave Frank Gore a B because for a lot of the same reasons. But, you know, considering the circumstances, I think I think I, I would probably give him a B plus or an A as well. Uh, it's not his fault that the Jets are using him incorrectly. And and that was kind of what I was holding against him was, you know, he doesn't deserve, not deserve, deserves a bad word. He should not be the guy getting all the carries. He shouldn't be the one that's shouldering the entire load. Atrocious coaching staff that should get the blame. It's, it's hard to give anybody a real A though. I mean, it's not like Frank Gore is producing. He's not really producing. For the offense that he's in and the team that he's on, I think he's producing enough on a bad team. And again, it's uh, it's not like we can hold it against them for uh, for not having an offensive line, for not having weapons, for f- basically being the focal point of the offense to a degree. But yes, obviously, if you put him on a real NFL team, it's not an A-type production, but I'm speaking on the Jets, so maybe the bar is a little bit lower. You're giving him an A by default just because he is uh, 37 years old, shouldn't be doing what, what he's doing, but is, is doing a decent enough job at it. All right, I get it. That's <laughs> Grading on a curve. Somebody had to set the bar at an A. Next name for you, Sam Darnold. (sighs) See, Sam Darnold for me is the opposite of Frank Gore. Like Frank Gore is doing well, and I hold it against him. Sam Darnold is not doing well, and I don't hold it against him. But I have to give Sam Darnold a C at best, and I, I can't give him a fail. But I have to give him a C because he's still making the same mistakes. He's still turning the ball over. He's, he has not grown. And there's only so far that the excuse that the Jets don't give him what he needs can take him. Ready for me? Don't tell me an A. Sam Darnold gets a hard F for me. Really? I mean, a hard F. 
Uh, When I was thinking about the report card thing, I originally, Sam Darnold was the first name that popped into my head. And I, my thought was, I'm going to give him an incomplete because of uh, the things we discuss on every podcast, the the coaching, the lack of productivity on the offense as a whole. So I figured I'll give the guy an incomplete. And then I took a step back, not being a homer, but just being an objective football fan. And I, and I looked at it this way. Quarterbacks, more than anything, are judged on wins. If you look at the games he's played, he has not produced. He's made the same mistakes like you just mentioned. And the the bottom line is they do not have any wins. They're a team. They're the lone team in the NFL with no wins. The other thing, um, I believe Parcells, Bill Parcells said the phrase once, one of the best abilities is availability. So listen, if you're injured, it's unfortunate. It's part of the game. But you're not out there helping your team. It looks like also with Sam, you're you're missing valuable live snaps that uh, at this point seem vital to his development. Going back to last year, again, it's not like he was a winning quarterback. He showed flashes, but at a certain point, flashes have to turn he into consistency. He was 7-6 and six last year. And the Jets were 0-3 without him. He was 7-6, and six, and I gr- granted it's bad competition. And three weeks ago, you 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 thought Sam Darnold could still be a guy. And and I know that the under 200 yards has really has really pissed you off. I mean, I can tell every podcast we've had where we've mentioned it, you are, you're like, you can't be doing this or under 200 yards. So you have completely soured on him in three weeks. I mean, what, what happened? So here's the thing. I have not soured on him. I just, uh, believe it or not, I... I I don't know if I'm contra- contradicting myself or if I'm just crazy. I believe Sam Darnold can still that. be salvaged. <laughs> I believe he can be salvaged. I don't I don't believe it's going to be on the Jets. I think he's just uh, mentally broken. I don't know whether it's by New York, whether by the New York media, whether it's the losing, whatever it may be. I think he's salvageable in the NFL. I, I don't believe he's sal- salvageable in New York in the Jets uniform. I'm still a fan of him. I still believe he's an NFL talent, but I didn't want to use quote-unquote excuses. Oh, it's the coaching. Oh, it's the injuries. Oh, no wide receiver. I needed at least one win. Then I can have an argument to be like, well, look at that game. The flashes he showed, whatever, they they accomplished something. They are a winless team. So to take your argument, which I didn't realize until you mentioned it, that the he was 7-6 and six as a starter last season, that actually for a second I thought, wow, that's a positive. And then instantly my mind clicked and it's like, that's a negative. He actually took a huge step back if you look at being 7-6 and six last season and a winless quarterback this season. If I'm grading strictly Sam Darnold, the football player for 2020, he gets an F. The production is not there. He's missed time due to injury and they're a winless football team. All right, that's that's very fair assessment is – you have not given up on him. You still see potential in him, but you have to grade him on what you see. And that's fair. It's it's not like you've done a complete turnaround. Okay, so I stand corrected. You can flip a coin as to whether that is the coaching staff that has completely failed him, which I totally think it does, or if he's just not that good, which it could partially be that. But if you come if you're a twenty year old kid and you come into the NFL with mistakes that need to be corrected and you need to be developed and you don't get that, and three years later you're still making the same mistakes. That is not necessarily all your fault, but you are what you are. That, and that's the other thing Parcells said. Let's make it a Bill Parcells podcast. <laughs> Bill Parcells said, you are what your record, your record is. Yes, you, know? you are. Yeah, you are. Record. Exactly. So Sam Donald at this point is a quarterback on a winless team, has not been able to stay on the field, and is still making the same mistakes he made in college. Who's next? No particular players. Uh, I want to get your grades on a tight end, and I want to get your grades on a receiving corpse as a whole, as a group. So let's do the wide receivers first, because I feel they're going to do a little bit better in our report card. 
You can either give it a B or you can go an incomplete, but you cannot say that they're an A for sure, nor can you say they failed because when they've been in there, they've produced. Crowder's produced. Uh, Perriman in the rare instances when he's been in there has at least stretched a field, even if he didn't make catches. And you saw what he did last week. Uh, Mims has has come on the last couple of weeks since he came off the IR. You could also go the route of giving it incomplete because, you know, nine game, the ninth game of the season was the first time they've all been on the field together. We are on the same page. I'm, I'm a little bit lower than you. I'm uh, I'm dancing between a very strong C plus or a B minus uh, simply because we haven't seen all of them on the field. Again, you can blame the offense, the play calling, whatever that may be. But last week showed that there is legit talent. I've been a, uh, I've been a fan of them. It, the problem has been getting them on the field at the same time. But if last week is any indication, they can produce when they're healthy and when they're playing together. I think they're average plus, so something between a C plus to a B minus. And to wrap it up on the report card, I want to see, I want to hear your thoughts on the tight ends. Uh, you know, I started this by saying I don't see anybody that particularly failed or anybody that excelled, but I forgot about the tight ends. And I knew I'd get caught out there saying that. It's been an absolute failure. They want to talk about a hard F. The tight ends get a hard F. They're not involved in the game plan at all. Herndon has been a, an unmitigated disaster. He drops passes or fumbles the ball away every time he touches it. He's terrible. So the tight ends, to me, there's no way you can get around giving them an F. And anybody who wants to argue differently is going to have to fight me. We saved our agreement for last. It's a, an yeah. undeniable F for me. It's been a black hole of a position for as long as I've been a Jets fan. It sucks that uh, consistently the Jets fail to produce a tight end of even of average quality, because I, I believe in today's NFL, it's such a big security blanket for a quarterback, especially a developing quarterback. So that's what compounds my frustration, but a well-deserved solid F. All right, how about some overalls? Offense, obviously an F. I don't think anybody can, can argue with Nothing there, F, nothing to even argue. Right. Defense, I, I'm going to give it a D minus. I'm not going to give it an F because there have been some flashes here and there. Quentin Williams has played well. You know, Avery Williamson played pretty well when he was here. McDougald wasn't terrible, and Marcus May has been very good, but the secondary is terrible. There's no pass rush, so I won't give it a failure because there is something to salvage from it. But I'm going to give I'm going to give it a, a pretty pretty firm D minus. I'm at a C to a C minus. I believe that the a lack of talent, and I'll give uh, I'll give a lot of credit here to the defensive coordinator. He's trying to make chicken soup out of chicken shit. Uh, May really stood out to me. There's been some flashes as a package group. I do cut them a little bit of slack because the offense consistently puts them in a tough position. I believe towards the second half, third, fourth quarter, you're now you're combining a team that's tired and consistently losing the field position game. You add the lack of talent. Uh, I think the stats make it look a little bit worse than the eyeball test, which is not that pretty to begin with, but I'm a little more lax on them. I'll give them a hard C-. minus. Yes, absolutely. The defense is put into terrible positions because the offense is terrible, especially the second half, as you said. I mean, the offense in, in the last few games hasn't produced anything in the second half. So I will agree with that. However, that defense commits way too many penalties. They give up way too many yes. first downs that keep them on the field. They yes. give up yes. way too many long third downs. And that's been a problem since it's long. I mean, I'm going to go back to the Rex days where the Jets had the, the best third down defense in the league, but it was a, a mirage. It was a fake stat because when it mattered, they never stopped the third. They never stopped the teams on third down. So I see way too much of that where, you know, the team, the team should be off the field and instead, it, and it, and instead extends the drive by giving them a 15 yard 
yard penalty and an automatic first down. And I, I do see your point, but I just I just cannot give them the pass for it. If we got into a big, big argument, uh, whose grade is stronger, this is not a hill that I would die on because uh, what I also realized as we're, as we're having this debate is one big thing that the Jets defense has not given me, it's the big play, either a turnover or a sack. They lack those and they lack those I, they have to be the last in the NFL in both, possibly both sacks and uh, forced turnovers. A timely strip sack, a timely interception can erase all those things, and the Jets don't have enough of it. And the, the funny thing was, up until a couple of weeks ago, and it might still hold true, the Jets were actually amongst the league leaders in uh, turnover ratio. For a terrible team, that just, just shows how bad the Jets are. If the turnovers ever catch up, we'll really be looking at ugly shit. But <laughs> have not turned the ball over as much as you would think a winless team would. That's just unreal. Okay, now let's take off the dark sider hat for one minute and and not wish that the Jets were going to lose every game. And let's pretend we want them to win, okay? Okay. Who do you see on this schedule? We've got seven games left. We'll go through them one by one you know, as quickly as possible. But is there any legitimate chances that we have a win somewhere in here? Now, I see four that if the Jets played like they played against New England and put a full game together, that they could potentially win. I don't think it's likely, but I see four games that that give them some kind of possibility, depending on which version of the team they're playing shows up, okay? We got the Chargers next weekend. That is one of the games that I think if the if if the Chargers rookie quarterback looks like a rookie or the Jets look as good as they're capable of looking, that the Jets could steal that game. Agree or disagree? A hundred percent agreed. Uh, I did want to ask you if you if you took a hard drink before this podcast because I see only one game and that's the game you just mentioned. The rookie quarterback to me is the wild card where if we can force him into enough mistakes, maybe we can squeak it out. So I'm dying to hear what are the three games you penciled in. As, I understand as a possibility. You're not penciling it in as a win. I agree with you a hundred percent on the Chargers. That's the strongest uh, chance on the schedule for a W. Okay. Um, the, the game after that's the Dolphins. That's another one I have only because you never know with another rookie quarterback and a division game. The Jets and Dolphins always play tight games with obviously some exceptions. We said that a few weeks ago and look what happened. But um, I I give the Jets a very small but at least a percentage of a chance of winning that game. I I obviously disagree. Uh, Well, you just made me put my big foot in my big mouth because uh, here I am raging that the the best chance is beating a rookie quarterback. Meanwhile, I completely forgot that the Dolphins made a switch from Fitzpatrick (laughs) to Tua. So I have to eat, uh, let me take a bite of my humble pie and I have to agree. If if we're looking at it through the rosy glasses of possibilities, rookie quarterback, they always do play the Dolphins tough. It's one of those games, they usually end up splitting the series. So if we're talking possibilities, yes, I have to give you credit. This is one of those as well. All right. Well, don't forget, I started this by saying that we were taking off our dark sider, dark sider hat and, and looking at this as fans and, and being as realistic as possible. I mean, clearly, I don't think they have a chance to win any of these games. Okay. Game after that, Raiders. I don't think there's any chance they beat the Raiders. None. I think it's going to be an ugly, ugly scene. And I, I also think Raiders with an easy win. Same thing the following week against the Seahawks. That's going to, that, now that will be truly ugly. I think the Seahawks could, could start to do what the Chiefs did to them, except they actually finished the job. You know, Seahawks will crush them. The Rams on the road, they're not beating the Rams. I know the Rams have had a couple of games where they didn't look great. The Giants and um, a couple of weeks ago, I forgot who they played. Where they, oh, Miami. Was it Miami that they lost? They, they lost to somebody that didn't look good. But uh, I don't think the Jets are beating the Rams. There's no shot. No, too much talent. Very t- uh, just a good team all around. I don't see the Jets even keeping it close. Please, please don't tell me you th- 
with your rosy glasses. I only have two games left, and there's two games left. That's it. Yeah, the Please Browns. Don't I mean, tell me it's the Browns. And the, well, the the Browns. I, I don't think again. I, I don't think there's any chance the Jets beat them. They have better talent at every position, but I, you know, the Browns just are not that consistent to me. I, I've seen too many ugly performances by them to to assume that uh, on a day if the Brown if the ugly Browns show up and the Jets from Monday night for the first three quarters show up, the Jets could win that game. Now, is it likely? No. Will it happen? Probably not, but I cannot rule out that the Jets could beat the Browns on a, you know, you want to talk about any given Sunday and let's say there's, you know, a thousand universes in the world and that game's played a thousand times. Do I think the Jets lose that game a thousand times? No, I don't think they do. I think there's a, a, you know, a blocked field goal or an interception or a bad, bad play by Baker Mayfield or something that, that the Jets could win that game a couple of times out of a thousand. I don't see that in, in the, in the Seahawks at all. I don't see that with the Rams at all, but with, with the Browns, I could see it. I think it would have to be the exact, X factor you just mentioned. If the Jets beat the Browns, Baker Mayfield is going to be the MVP for the Jets. We're talking about three interceptions and a fumble. That's the only way because otherwise I see too much young individual talent and the Jets defense just will not win enough of the one-on-one battles, whether you're talking about the running back, the tight end, their wide receiver, even without Odell Beckham, Landry is still very talented. They just have enough young, explosive playmakers that the Jets will not be able to stop. So I, unless Baker Mayfield absolutely implodes, the Jets will not win that game. I think it's going to be close. And while I do see the Browns like you a little bit inconsistent, there is one consistent factor about them. They beat the piss out of the bad teams, and then they look like dog shit against the good teams. So I think the Jets are going to be that team where they're going to look fantastic against. They're going to look like world beaters. Uh, they're good enough to kind of crush these really, really bad teams, the Jaguars, the the Jets, whoever else I'm forgetting at the moment. So I, even through my rosy eyeglasses, I can't see the Jets. Uh, I, I can't give them the benefit of the doubt from what I've seen from the Browns this season. Five and three is five and three. You know, got to give them credit for now. Yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're certainly an up-and-coming team. And if Baker Mayfield can put it together, they've got a ton of talent and and you just never know. But I, you know, I, I believe in alternate universes. I believe that if you have a thousand, a thousand universes going on at the same time, something different's happening in every single one of them. It's somewhere in one of those universes you know the Jets won the Super Bowl in '98. You know they beat the they beat the Broncos. These little things didn't go wrong. We just happened not to be in the universe where it happened. So if we happen to be in that universe for this Cleveland game, you know, in 998 of those universes, Cleveland's beating the Jets. Maybe we get lucky and we're in the one or two where they don't. And that's you know I don't see that happening against some of these other teams. But Cleveland, absolutely, I could see it happening. It, very, very unlikely, but you never know. And then there's the Patriots. You know, I, I don't, I, you know, the Jets, they dominated the Patriots for much of that game the other night. And if they, and if the Jets are going to blow their draft pick and it's going to be late in the season and, you know, the Jets always do well in December when they don't need to, then, then I could totally see the Jets winning that game on, in the last game of the season. I don't, I don't, I, I wouldn't even, I would call that one a coin flip, to be honest with you, as bad as the Patriots looked the other night. I can see it. With the Jets being the Jets, <clears throat> with them going into the last week absolutely needing a loss to secure Trevor Lawrence, they'll do everything in their power to get a win. I also think a lot depends on the Patriots situation. Are they, you know, if if the Patriots need to win that game to get a wild card spot, forget it. It's not even going to be close. They'll wipe the floor with the Jets. I'm sure of it. Belichick will just, uh, he'll be Belichick. He'll figure out a game plan that works. If the Patriots are eliminated and are a lame duck and it's a matter of, hey, if we lose, we're drafting 6th or 7th versus if we win, we're drafting 14th or 15th, 
I can potentially see Belichick going with a little bit of a younger personnel, not exactly throwing the game, but giving the young guys a chance. And like you said, it's a coin flip. Let's see what happens. Let's see what I have on my team going into the offseason. So that game, I can agree with you. It's, it's a question mark, but I base it more on where are the Patriots going into that game. If it's playoffs or bust, they're going to beat the crap out of the Jets. If they're out of it, I can totally see the Jets uh, sneaking sneaking away with the W. I'm going to give you that point only for, for one reason, okay? The Patriots are 3-5 and five right now. If the Patriots are somehow in position to get a wild card on, in Week 16, that means they've had a monster second half of the season, and I agree with you. For them to have played that well and gotten to a point where a wild card is attainable just by beating the Jets, then yes, they're going to kick the shit out of the Jets. I don't see that happening, but I will take your thing about Belichick not necessarily throwing the game one step further and say that if Belichick is in position to cost the Jets the number one pick, not only because he hates the Jets, which he does, which, you know, we, if you want, we can talk about the article that came out this week about him. I don't know if you heard that one, but um, I think that if Belichick has a chance to screw up a division opponent from getting a a, um, a franchise quarterback and potentially being the next, I don't know, call it the next Brady, to do anything that he's done for 20 years and have any chance at competing and dominating a division in any fashion, he would screw it up for them. Now, he may not tell his guys to lay down, but he could strategically not put certain guys in or call certain plays or whatever the case is. I could totally right, the see game that. plan, the play calls, that, that I can't argue with you. Before we wrap it up and jump into the Facebook posts, Fill me in a little bit. I've heard the, I just heard the headline that Bill Belichick basically said that the day that he quit the Jets was the greatest day of his professional career or something to that extent. It wasn't, it wasn't exactly like that. He he did mention that he did not see um, a future with the ownership that was coming in, which is a huge indictment of freaking Woody and everybody that came after Belichick and hasn't, and hasn't stuck around. Al Groh left after one year, Parcells didn't want to stick around. And now you have Belichick 20 years later saying that, you know, the reason he didn't see himself being there was the ownership obviously i was guilty of falling for clickbait because i heard that i saw that phrase i'm like wow that's a kind of a fucked up thing to say you have your great thing going on for 20 years and you're still talking about leaving the jets being the greatest day of your career but the the way you explained it to me makes more sense i believe your version is a lot more accurate than the clickbait line that i read because i don't think belichick would harp on that that much to that degree so that that might have been why it was a great move is he ended up being right that the ownership wasn't good i mean something to that effect but it wasn't what the article wanted you to believe where belichick was trashing the jets and saying hey leaving them was the greatest thing he ever did one other item before we do the facebook stuff um i've been reading a lot about justin fields and um i forget the stats i mean i know his stats are ridiculous and the interceptions versus incompletions thing i i get that but i am a huge huge russell wilson fan and they've been comparing him to Russell Wilson. He's a guy who could be like Russell Wilson and one other guy they mentioned, but you know, Robbie here loves Russell Wilson so much that he didn't even hear the second name. As soon as I heard Russell Wilson, I was like, oh my God, if this guy's anything like Russell Wilson, I would love to have him. And I'm, I'm, you know, Russell Wilson to me is smart. He's ridiculously accurate. Some of these throws he makes are great. He is a quarterback that lifts up the players around him, makes everybody better. And that Seattle team, the defense is not good. The offense has some talent on it, but he he has single-handedly held that team together in the way that Adam Adam Aaron Rodgers did for the Packers. And you've seen some of these other guys do it. So if you're telling me that there's that 
you know, and it, it could all just be, you know, it could all just be superfluous bullshit. But if you're telling me that Justin Fields is Russell Wilson, then I am, I'm telling you right now, I'll take a couple of wins for the hell of it and, and get the second pick and take Justin Fields. Now, I don't, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if he's really not as big a prospect and it's all just hype because every time there's a really big quarterback prospect, there's always the second guy so that they can create a controversy, you know, but of course, Russell Wilson is extremely exciting. If we're talking comparisons to Russell, to Russell Wilson, sign me up right now. And I won't even be that devastated if we lose Trevor Lawrence, even though we're talking once in a generation. I am a huge fan of Russell Wilson, have been since his rookie year when he unexpectedly won the starting job. He's everything you said he is. He's a winner. He's a leader. He's everything you want out of a quarterback. And if you're talking, there's a potential young Russell Wilson in the draft. I am all in. You don't have to sell me twice. Again, this is the name that gets me excited. Anybody coming close in comparison to Russell Wilson, I will be happy to have him wearing the Jets uniform. Yeah, that's exactly my thoughts. I mean, you, you echo exactly what's in my mind. If, if the Jets can get a Russell Wilson, then I don't even care if they get the first pick or if they get the first pick, then I'll entertain these thoughts people have about trading down. You know, like if Jacksonville is stuck on Trevor Lawrence, great. Let them come up, take a couple of picks, take the second pick, take Justin Fields and move on. So I, I'm, you know, I, again, I don't follow college. So this is just what people are saying, but that's a, that's a really huge compliment. Can you imagine if Joe Douglas ends up pulling it off that he trades out of number one spot uh, and gives up Trevor Lawrence and probably catches incredible heat for it, but ends up with Justin Fields, who then, uh, of course, we know that we're talking fantasy land, talking about a Jets developing a rookie quarterback into a potential franchise cornerstone and a superstar. But if Joe Douglas has the cojones to do that and it works out, wow, just build him a statue now. (laughs) Say, build them, put him on the Mount Rushmore of the Jets. Put him on that in the circle of honor right now. Just, just carve out his name, and we're done. Yep. All right, let's do some Facebook posts. I got some pretty funny ones here. These people, they're out of control, and this is a bye week. They don't even have a game to look forward to. Okay, you ready? Um, this is in response to the Jet game. <laughs> okay. Um, best, uh, yeah. Best part of tonight was having all three of our top receivers in the game at the same time for the first time, and knowing how good they we could have been if this was how we played all season. And if we didn't trade no one at all, we might have a playoff run. You are what your record says you are. I'll leave it at that. But this is this. The Jet fans are just so they. they you want to talk about schizophrenic and up and down. Like the second something good happens, they're like, "We're going to the Super Bowl." Oh! We, we could make a playoff run if only for three shitty wide receivers were healthy or the second something goes bad. It's, oh, my God, we got to get the first pick. I mean, it's, it's fucking lithium, man. We need a lithium supply. The lunacy of it is just, it's mind-boggling to me. I understand if you could have said, yeah, with all three of them healthy, we could be three and six. Okay, uh, the next one. This is a great one, too. Taysom Hill for quarterback? Question mark. Mock me if you will. However, I believe he has many with three Ys, many qualities that the position requires. <laughs> Taysom Hill's 30 years old, and he's freaking, he's basically Tim, he's a better Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow, thank you. <laughs> Damn it, you stole my line. <laughs> it's Tim Tebow, only he's actually being used correctly, like Tim Tebow should have been used. All right, okay, here's one. Um, why the fuck haven't we been playing Flacco all season? <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, ready? NFL doesn't want us to get Trevor Lawrence. O-lineman moved early on that play, and the refs didn't call it. So this was, now I remember this play. There was a play where the Jets, whatever they did, you know, the, the, the I guess it was the left tackle. No, left, yeah, t- the guards inside. The left tackle jumped early. It looked like he went in motion, 
and and they didn't call anything. They just let the play run. And I remember that at the time. I was like, wow, this guy goes as far as to say that the offensive that the offensive lineman moved, the refs didn't call the play. So that means the NFL was in on it and didn't doesn't want us to get Trevor Lawrence. How do you even take that seriously considering we're the only winless team in the NFL? I mean, how do you even waste time debating somebody like that? Oh, no, I don't debate them. I just copy their posts and put them in a, in a thing. So we <laughs> if can talk the NFL about did not want us to have Trevor Lawrence, we'd, we'd have three wins right now. All right, you ready for the next one? This is... This is Hit me with the next one. Probably not as good as some of the other ones. Okay. My honest opinion about the defense is it could be turned around with three pieces and the return of C.J. Mosley. You had two new corners and a stud edge rusher and the C.J. return, we might have something scary. <laughs> well, no duh. <laughs> so basically just add the toughest positions on a defense to fill, yeah. a dominant edge rusher and two shutdown corners. Wow. We might have something going. Not bad. And C.J. Mosley, who after two years off is certainly going to anchor the defense and be great. Sam isn't the guy. He has three TDs in six games. Flacco had three last night. Now that one is, I guess it's true, but I mean, it. I mean, that's why you say Sam's not the guy not 6,000 other reasons you're going to compare it to one game where Flacco had three and Sam's got three all season and you're going to say Sam's not the guy based on that okay this 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 guy <laughs> is is uh talking about the Jets picks where they've got you know the first pick or second pick whatever they get then they've got Seattle's pick and then their second round pick so their first three so first pick wide receiver then offensive tackle or and then safety so this guy wants to draft a wide receiver with the first or second overall pick when this franchise has been searching for a quarterback for, you know, 40, you know, 40 years, 35, 40, 45 years. Wide receiver is his first pick. This is somebody who needs medication. I mean, I can't even, I, I try to look at it. I try to approach it with some logic. You're not giving up a one or a two pick in this year's draft and not taking a, a potential quarterback. I don't, I don't care. I just, uh, how do you even argue? And the safety, I, I just want, I want one of those right posts here. to have some logic. I want the, one of those posts to have some logic that you and me can go, huh, okay, a little, a little out there, but I can see it. So far, this is just like, it's like, it's, it's comedy hour. Yep. Okay. This is the final one. This might be the question you're looking for to actually say, hey, maybe, but I just, I find it ridiculous because I, I, I'll explain why. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Is the Adam Gase offense just too complicated for a young quarterback and suited more for a veteran quarterback? Veteran quarterback. Would Sam be better off in a keep it simple, stupid offense? Now, that is actually a very good point, but you're, you're talking about an Adam Gase offense, which is anything but complicated. This this is this is a a schoolyard offense that is you know run twice, throw on third down that anybody knows is coming, and nobody can play in an offense if the defense knows what's coming on every play. I agree with you unequivocally on this one, and this argument almost contradicts itself. First, he says the offense is too complicated. When you're talking about the eye test, nothing about it looks complicated. That's what he calls. He's very vanilla. He doesn't like to take chances. I mean, that's something I forgot what it was, what I was talking with someone about. Um, oh, oh, it was about um, there was an article today um, that said, you know, the Jets are not using Mims or Purine enough. Why? And I was like, yeah, why? And one guy said, well, I mean, do you think they're not being used? They, they, you know, they, they're getting playing time. And I was like, yeah, it's all in the first half. And in the second half, you're not seeing them at all. And that's, and, and it's part and parcel of what you just said. Adam Gase gives up on his team. As soon as things get bad, he, he crawls into a shell and starts calling conservative plays and doesn't use the rookies. He, he sticks with guys who are quote unquote, his guys 
when it gets and when the going gets tough. He doesn't ever get creative. He doesn't ever try and fight it out. He crawls. He he'd be like a guy in a bar fight who who got a couple of punches in and then the second he got hit, he just crawls into a ball and takes the beating. He doesn't he doesn't ever try and fight back. And that's and that's that's what you I see. To, that you don't have to time. drag me into into this conversation. All right, all right. I'm not, I know I'm not a fighter. I know I'll crawl into a ball if I get hit <laughs> in a bar fight. Point well taken. We love shitting on Adam Gaze, but in my opinion, it's it's deserved. All right. Well, I am going to make a bold prediction: the Jets will not lose this weekend. Well, you know what? When we're not mourning a loss, it's a good Sunday in my book. So I'll take it. There you go. All right, my brother. I will uh, speak to you soon. We'll do something in the middle of next week and uh, and prepare for the game. This was a blast as always. Take care, and I'll catch you on the next one.